at youth church at our old building and we watched Attack of the 50-Foot Woman and ate pizza and played games. And I remember it to this day because that night was my out. It was like, yes, I have somewhere that I have to be that night. So after that night, it was pretty awesome. I had fun, so I kept going to youth group. I kept coming and hanging out with Dave and youth group started growing. I started meeting new people. A few months later, he was like, we're going to go on a retreat. So in my head, I was like, sweet, there's boys that go to this church that'll be on this retreat with me all weekend. Awesome. So I went, I signed up, and it's great because Dave had for the longest time this picture up in his office of us all on this Calico retreat, and everyone's like knows each other, and I was kind of like trying to be cool in the corner. So I'm like this in the picture, all awkward looking. Now that I look back, I'm like, that's the biggest dork. Um, so we were out on the trip, and Dave started talking about Jesus at one of our Bible studies, which I had known about Jesus, but... He approached it different. He was talking about how God, Jesus takes these broken pieces of our heart, the things that we've tried to fill it up with, and he puts them back together and makes our hearts whole again. But the only way that he can do that is we need to surrender every piece of our heart. And so for me, the way it kind of likened in my heart that night and talked to me was that you don't have a complete puzzle until you had all the pieces. And my life was broken. I had all these little pieces And I need to say, here, God, here's every little piece of my heart. You can have it. And at that point, it clicked in my head that, like, I had to take this and hand it over to God. I had to surrender it. And it wasn't that I had a bad childhood or anything awful, but I didn't understand that whole aspect of it, that my heart was broken. I tried filling it with so many different things, relationships, parent approval, grades, friends, anything that I could to make it whole, but nothing worked until that point where I realized I needed to surrender to him. And so that trip was kind of the turning point in my life where it it clicked and I got it and I understood what Christ had done for me, that because of his death on the cross, salvation can now come to my life and God can restore what was broken. So that was the end of my seventh grade year. So it was like that Next year, eighth grade, if you look at pictures even from like the way I dressed and did my makeup in seventh grade to the kind of person I became in eighth grade, it was a complete turnaround of who I was and what God did in my life. So he started changing my life from that point on. And then during my sophomore year, um, one of the boys in the youth group had gone on a mission trip, Ryan Bonilla, the guy with the big beard, the summer before to the Philippines. And I didn't really know him, but he came back, and he was like, this is a really cool trip. You should go. And I was like, sweet, let me ask my parents. And I was like, hey, Mom, Dad, can I go with this group that you know really nothing about for a month to the Philippines? They were like, sure. I was like, yes, I get to leave for a month. So my parents let me go. I knew Ryan, and that was it. I didn't know anyone else on the team. They dropped me off in Marietta for training and said, we'll see you in a month. So I went to the Philippines, and it was... That was the next moment in my life where God just completely rocked my world and showed me what his heart looked like and what his perspective of the world was. And it's not that I I knew God loved us and I knew God cared about us, but that trip just, God completely said, everything about you has to surrender to me. There's no part of this that you can do on your own. And It was one of the hardest experiences, and I look back at how that trip went and the conditions we were put through and what God made me do, and it was easy. And I'm like, when I think about it, I'm like, it should have been so hard because compared to how comfortable my life is here and how uncomfortable it was there, it should have been trying. 
But it was God showing me that when I am willing to just let him take over and let his heart be mine, it works. Life works so much better because of that. So I would encourage anyone in here, if you're given a chance to serve here or abroad, do it because God is awesome. And in that moment where you say, my life isn't about me, and you surrender, God can do amazing things. So I came home from that trip, and I lost a lot of friends because I became home a different person. I had been best friends with someone since kindergarten. And when I came back, it was, I don't like the person you've become. So it was hard for me to kind of go through that change and realize, well, I've got to learn how, how to take this and what God has taught me and live in this world. So from that point on, I just continued to walk and grow in the Lord. And one of the biggest things that's helped me, which I hope encourages you, is to realize that this isn't a destination. I'm not trying to get to a point, but learning that I'm on a journey that God is going to take me through peaks, God's going to take me through valleys, He's going to take me through trying times, through easy times, but it's okay because I'm resting in something greater than myself. God gives me hope and grace and forgiveness and salvation, and that's all I need to get through this journey. And, um, and that's something, too, that I've learned is surrender is something that happens every morning when I wake up. It's not something that I did once. It's every day, more than once a day, multiple times a day, I have to say, wait, stop. This isn't my life. God give his life. My life belongs to him, and I need to surrender once again to his will and what he wants for me. Um, and then in closing, I just want to share two more things that have really like been pivotal to my walk with the Lord. And one thing that I remind myself anytime it's getting hard or I'm embarrassed or things are difficult, I rest in this simple fact that God loves me. If you can remember that, God loves you. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what happens. We are loved by a God who's so much bigger than us and cares about us. And if that's our focus, everything else will fall into place. Everything else will make sense because that person, that God of the universe, loves me. And I can rest in the fact that, that everything else is fine knowing that. One of the main verses that really helped me, and still does, and it's a really popular verse, but it is one that resonates with me, and I constantly remember it. It's Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God wants all of our heart, and he has so much to give us when we're willing to just stop and say, I surrender, God. I rest in your love and in your grace. So with that, thanks for letting me share, and have a good night. I'm going to go teach little kids. See you guys later. <laughs> They don't give me a mic on nights like tonight. Uh, so Megan runs the preschool program. We had the co-op preschool program. Her and uh, Kristen Morgan run that program during the week. And if anybody has a preschooler or a toddler, how could they 
how, how do they get plugged into that program? You can, my email is on the church website or my cell phone number, my personal cell phone number is too. So if you contact either of those, you can email me and we'll respond to you. So, Megan, I remember uh, Pastor Rod when he was teaching uh, one of the junior high classes when the church was first starting. And I remember him telling me, Dave, I, I can't handle Megan in our classroom. She is so disruptive. She's causing problems. And I said, well, Pastor Rod, have you thought about just asking, you know, take her and tell her, hey, uh, I need your help with some things. So he did that. And then all of a sudden, Megan transformed into the class principal. She was hammering kids and stuff. And, and I find it awesome that, that now Rod hired you to do children's ministry <laughs> and wrangle in kids here. Uh, Megan, thanks so much. Thanks for your dedication. And um, is it okay if we pray for Megan and her ministry here? Because it's so vital in this church. So if, you, if you'd pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, God, for raising up Megan, Lord, for reaching into her heart, Lord, for restoring the broken pieces, God, for making her a new creation in you. Lord, we just pray that you continue to anoint her with your Holy Spirit as she leads in all these children's programs, Lord, as we um, as our kids are a part of those programs, Lord, they're so precious to us, even more precious to you, Lord. And God, I know that Megan feels the same. So we just pray, God, that you give her great wisdom as she leads, Lord. Help her to uh, equip her with every gift she needs for that ministry. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, Megan. Thanks for sharing. So if you want to be a part of Sunday School, feel free, uh, the Sunday School program, feel free to email Megan or call her up. Uh, all the emails at Calvary Chapel are pretty simple. They're our first initial last name at calvaryot.com, or you can go children at calvaryot.com, and you can contact Megan and be a part of those ministries. And if you don't know anything about Sunday School ministry, well, that's fine. Just jump in. We'd love to have you and love to have you be a part. All right, tonight uh, I have another special guest up here who is giving me the night off. I've actually been trying to get him to preach and uh, for us, and it, he, he said he would do it tonight, and I really appreciate it. So Tyson Vincent, can you come on up and, and uh, give us the word tonight, uh, right? It's your MDiv. Uh, THM. THM. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's at Talbot University, and uh, so he's finishing up his THM. Come on, <laughs> Tyson. <laughs> And, uh, and he, he, uh, he's also a painter, and so he, I, I hired him to paint my house, and actually the Lord put it on my heart to hire him, so I did, and it was hard not just talking theology with him and hanging out and talking Bible, because every time I see him, we start talking, like, oh, I gotta let you paint. Uh, so anyway, but uh, I'm excited to have him share, and we're excited to give the, share the pulpit with you, so God Thank bless you. you. There you go. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, thank, thanks, um, Dave, for inviting me. Um, I don't get to speak very often, um, but I've got a lot of head knowledge from school, and, um, and so I, I don't get this great opportunity very often. Um, so, um, I, uh, let me get set up shop here. Um, did you know that <clears throat> today is the first um, day of Advent on the church calendar? I don't know if any of you knew that or even know what Advent is. Advent is uh, Jesus coming. Um, 
So the church has a calendar that celebrates all the main components of Christ's life, and today's the first day on that calendar of Advent. So in keeping with that, uh, I was just thinking about um, how annoying it is when, um, when people don't say thank you <laughs> when you give them a gift for Christmas. Um, God gave his greatest gift, Jesus, for Christmas, and um, how annoying is that? Or how annoying is it when you give something and people are thinking, I'm not going to wear that, or how can I return it, or is that it? Like, <laughs> is there anything else? <laughs> And uh, sometimes you're waiting, thinking, is, is that it? Is, is the person going to say thank you, you know? Um, and that can be really, really annoying. Um, but uh, Thanksgiving is often thought of as a gateway, you know, to Christmas. Um, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And um, I want to read a little something to you about that, it says, a proclamation. The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften, soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations Order has been maintained, the laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. And then Abraham Lincoln goes on to thank God for wealth and strength, peaceful industry, um, that the Civil War wasn't worse than it, than it had already become. Um, the enlarged borders of their country, of our country, um, more abundant commodities, a steady growth in population, augmented strength and vigor, and increased freedom. This is the Thanksgiving proclamation. Um, George Washington had given um, a day of Thanksgiving 74 years earlier, but um, Abe Lincoln made it official. And he uh, ends by saying, No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, um, who while dealing with, it, with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do, therefore, invite my fellow citizens in every part of the U.S., and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions 
justly due to him for such singular deliverance and blessings they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience. Commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, and sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. And then he signs his name. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever read this, but it's kind of refreshing to see how much Abe Lincoln gives thanks for all that we have received, all that we have in the midst of the bloodiest war that we've ever seen, where the most Americans ever died. Abe Lincoln's finding every single reason he can think of to give thanks to God. Um, it's a far cry from it's it's a far cry from what we do during Thanksgiving for sure. We usually have these generic ways of saying I'm I'm thankful for you know my teddy bear or I'm thankful for you know this or that without recognizing the giver. Or like I saw a football player on the screen say um, I'm thankful to my wife and my family. Well, um, you know he's he didn't acknowledge that God was the giver. It says in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. So every gift is from God. We have every reason to give thanks. Um, and it also says in Ephesians 5, give thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But nothing can be worse than somebody not saying thank at, thanks at all when you give them a gift, especially when it's a heartfelt gift and you took special time thinking of them, what would they like? You're, you're trying to get into their shoes, give them something, um, and they don't even give you a thanks, you know? Um, but nothing's more refreshing than a kid bouncing around the house so ecstatic about getting the next toy that he's been waiting for forever, you know? I can remember I did the same with the, the first Nintendo <laughs> with, you know, Duck Hunt and Mario. Um, and I just, I bounced and ran and screamed all over the house when I got it uh, for my birthday. Um, so we're in this season where giving and receiving this really sensitive issue uh, is at the forefront of our minds um, because God gave his greatest gift during Advent, the coming of Christ. Um, so a lot of what Abe Lincoln said also dovetails with um, this passage that I want to go through tonight. He talked about um, how we need to offer penitence and say sorry for our sins along with all the things that we're thankful for. And so he set aside a whole day, which was essentially to be a prayer day, to say, I'm sorry, God, for this and that, and I'm sorry for this bloody struggle we're in, but I'm so thankful for all the things that you are doing right. I mean, all the things that, all the goodness that you're pouring out on us and our land. Um, 
it really echoes a lot of what's in this passage. It almost makes me think that Abe Lincoln had had this in mind. And we know that from all his scriptural allusions and all of his talk um, and all of his writings, that he was steeped in scripture, just totally steeped. Okay, so if you would please turn with me to Romans 1. Romans 1. Romans 1, right after Acts. If you're in Corinthians, you went too far. Okay, Romans 1. Okay, perfect. Okay, and I'm going to just read this passage real quick so we have it in our minds. Uh, Doesn't seem like a Thanksgiving passage, right? Okay, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Oh no, this is going to be about sin. Not, it doesn't seem like a Thanksgiving passage. Hang with me, okay? Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened, Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling things. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which was unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not property proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Depressing. Um, Pray with me. Dear God, um, help us not to be depressed by your word. Um, Help us to... Open our minds, our hearts, our will, um, and speak to us tonight. Um, 
You're not a petty God. You take this seriously, Lord. Um, us turning away from you is, is the most grave thing we could ever do. Help us to be thankful through this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, the main idea of this passage is if you want to know how to follow God and whether you are following God, um, just, um, <laughs> it's going to sound like Captain Obvious here, but <laughs> hi, Captain Obvious. If we are apathetic and thankless towards God, we are walking away from him. It's pretty obvious, right? <laughs> Captain Obvious. Ahoy. <laughs> um, but that's the main idea of this passage. Um, starting with um, verses 18 to 20, the existence of God and his wrath towards sin is evident, is what it's saying. So verse 18 the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. What's going on in this passage is um, Paul is trying to convict um, Jews and Gentiles alike in the Roman church, uh, convict them of their sin, not just to judge people, because what's the point in that? He's He's trying to lead them through their sin to the solution to their sin. If we don't think that we're sinners, there's no need to follow God. There's no need to follow Christ or need his death. In fact, Larry, the, the Irish missionary, he would knock on doors. He spoke this morning, and he was in the back. Um, I went with him on the 2000 trip, uh, year 2000, and we knocked on doors uh, for a couple weeks. And um, people would say, uh, he, he had this like one-liner that said, uh, if, if you don't need, it was something like, if you don't need, if you don't believe you're a sinner, you don't, you don't need Jesus, basically. So for self-righteous people that would answer the door, he would say, if you don't think you're a sinner, then why did Christ die? It's pointless. And that would usually get him thinking, um, if you get a chance to go on that Irish trip, uh, do it. Um, Larry's a hero. He's the one-armed Irish missionary. Um, he's a hero of mine, a living saint, and just um, his charisma and energy to get out there and, um, and make the gospel known in Ireland is um, it's just insatiable. He's, he's all over the island, so people actually recognize him all over the place. Um, so back to this, uh, okay, there's basically like God's wrath is, is just, it's a part of his um, righteousness and his justice. There's all different types of wrath. Um, there's uh, eternal wrath, which is hell, eschatological wrath, which you see in Revelation and the day of the Lord. There's cataclysmic wrath, like floods, Noah's flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, things like that. Um, consequential wrath, the law of reaping and sowing, when we do something wrong and the natural consequence is something bad. 
um, that's actually a part of God's grace, you know, because if we never realized that we did something wrong and, and could repair it, um, we would never get better as people. So that's a part of God's common grace that there's consequential wrath. And then most of this passage is about the wrath of abandonment, where we constantly abandon God and God abandons us to our sin. So the wrath of God here is... Um, it's going to be shown in the way that, he, that God allows people to have their own way. He allows them to um, sin and let the chips fall where they may, wherever they are. And that's a part of God's justice, to allow consequences to naturally happen. But it's also a part of his grace, okay? Because it's constructive for us. So God is giving people over to sin and the power of sin, the bondage, the corruption, the deceitfulness of sin, um, because they have um, decided not to acknowledge him. So you see in verse 19, um, it says, that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. So in their heart of hearts, in our heart of hearts, we know that God exists. And we know that he's separate and holy and huge, like way bigger than us. Um, and we can come to some basic conclusions about the creator just from looking at creation. Um, for one, he must be really powerful when you look around in... in the mountains, the Grand Canyon, when you stand beside the ocean and you see how small you are, we all kind of get this idea. Even the, the blue, the big blue sky shows us that we're really small and whoever made this is really huge. So it's really evident that God must be all powerful. He also must know all there is to know about anything if he's that powerful to make all this. And then we also can kind of conclude that if he made all this, he must be bigger than all of this, and he must be separate from all of this, because it tends to wear out. And if, as it says, uh, the wrath of God is revealed against men for their sin, we can conclude that he's holy or, or better than us. If he knows everything there is to know and he is bigger than all of this, he could be present everywhere. Creation is good for the most part, except for, you know, pumas and <laughs> venomous snakes. <laughs> so God must be good. All of this is enough to reason is enough reason to honor and thank God, as it says in the passage. Um, but I can I can kind of foresee some objections that you may have. Um, what about a person that that doesn't know about God? You know, and that's what this passage is addressing. They they all know in their heart of hearts that there's an all powerful, good Creator out there who's separate and holy and you know, um, is angry at our sin. Um, but 
bottom line, like even if you're concerned about um, people out there who may have never heard about Jesus or, or God, um, bottom line is that God meets us uh, where we're at. If we, if we see um, what he's created and we're seeking him in our heart, um, God tends to meet people with more revelation about himself wherever they are in the world. Um, you see this in, in uh, the Ethiopian eunuch and Cornelius. And even when Paul talks to the men of Athens, he says, if you would only seek and reach out, God is not so far away that he can't reveal himself to you. Okay? So, um, you know, if we're faithful in seeking God with the little stuff, he's willing to show himself even more to, to us. Um, so moving on to verses 21 to 23, um, we see here that um, if we're apathetic and thankless towards God, we will eventually walk away with him uh, in our mind, walk away from him in our mind. And then it goes into like a downward spiral of all the other consequences that happen when we, we fail to acknowledge God, uh, we pay him no mind, and, and then we, we can't even say thank you, just for basics, you know? And um, so there's, it, it's kind of showing a slippery slope here where we, we fail to acknowledge God, we don't give thanks, and then it, it, it just snowballs into worse and worse things, um, as depressing as it is. And, I could see um, I could see you also saying like, well, we're not we're not all that bad. Like all this stuff is really heavy, Tyson. There's no way like that one person could even do all these sins. And I I I see what you're saying, but you can't bank the truthfulness of this passage on um, on the way things seem or how other people present themselves. Like you think that person never would sin in that way. And then you find out a couple months later, oh yeah, they struggle with that sin real bad, or they left their wife, or they were committing adultery, or blah, 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 they were stealing from blah, blah, blah. And um, we can't bank um, what we believe about scripture on what we don't really know about people. So yeah, maybe they didn't, they didn't do these things um, in action, but maybe it was in their mind or their heart. We don't know. We don't know. Um, you guys don't even know what I've struggled with. And it's not always in my mind, heart, and my body, you know, with all of those three. It could be just one. Like, he deals with this on a mind level. In his heart, he's murdered this other brother of his. In his body, he does this. So you can't, you can't say that um, just because it's so depressing here and bad um, that it's therefore not true. No one deals with all of these sins at the same time. And even Calvin, uh, this great theologian, he, uh, he said that he was surprised that people weren't as bad as they could be. Okay? So um, we get to this part, and this is the, the, 
the main crux of, of what I want to share. They do not honor him or give thanks. To give thanks, um, has, you have to acknowledge the giver. And um, when you doubt the inherent goodness of God and his gift, um, you, you go out on your own and you try to satisfy your own sin. And there's this, this never-ending desire to fulfill your own needs. And so it doesn't stop. It keeps going. It snowballs. And um, it goes from a mind thing to a heart thing to a body thing, where you're thinking something, you're going to do something to fulfill your own desires because God's not good enough to give it to you what you need. So you're going you're gonna to think about it, and then it's going to trickle down to your heart. And then you're going to start feeling like, I need this, I want this, I'm going to go for it. And then it translates down to your legs or your hands, and then, boom, you're like going for it, okay? Um, if God is most glorified through us when we are most satisfied in him, then God is least glorified through us when we are least satisfied in him. Um, so when we doubt God's goodness, we're naturally going to, we're going to, um, and we, we fail to give thanks um, because we're not acknowledging that, we're bound to sin and we're bound to walk away from God. If we're apathetic and thankless towards God, we will eventually walk away from him, not only in our minds, but also in our hearts. And you see this um, it says in verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God for an image. And then it goes into their hearts. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And then it translates into them walking away from God with their own bodies, okay? For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another. Men with men committing indecent acts, and it, and it just gets worse and worse from there. But those are the consequences of of us failing to acknowledge God, we're, we're totally apathetic to him, and we don't give him thanks. We're bound to walk away from him in our mind, in our hearts, and eventually in our bodies. Um, where your mind uh, goes, it, it will lead you. And um, I just want to read a few quotes here. What you think, you will eventually feel, and what you feel, you will eventually do. That's for me. The heart cannot exalt in what the mind rejects, says Dr. Stephen Meyer. Os Guinness says, God does not bypass the mind on the way to the heart. Our hearts cannot rejoice in faith if our minds are full of doubts, for the heart cannot believe what the mind rejects as false. St. Augustine, heavyweight of the faith, 
For who cannot see that thinking is prior to believing? For no one believes anything unless he has first thought that it is to be believed. So your body will follow where your heart goes, and your heart will follow wherever your mind goes. To be an anti-intellectual Christian is not glorifying to God, because where your, where your mind goes, your heart and your legs are bound to follow. And we see that right here. It goes from mind in verse, uh, verses 21 to 23 to hearts, 24 to 25, and then their bodies, 26 to 27. Our hearts are idol-making factories, and we are the master craftsmen. Um, idolatry is rampant, because if we, if we fail to acknowledge God and thank him, we will craft some sort of other idol. And I'm not saying like a little figurine that you pick up <laughs> and um, pour molten metal and make a figurine or something that you bow down to. I'm saying um, maybe it's debt and credit. Like you, you get so out of control wanting things that you, you don't even have the means to catch up with that, with all your wants. And then you become enslaved to your desires. Or maybe it, it, there's, there's so many things we can make an idol out of. Um, if we are apathetic and thankless towards God, we'll eventually walk away with our minds, our hearts, and our bodies. Um, and you can see all the different ways. Not only are they... Um, reaping and sowing ways where we reaped what we sowed. We cast out these seeds of, of doubt in God or unthankfulness um, that grew into all these different sins. Um, it can also be um, not just reaping and sowing, but it can be God seeing us constantly turning towards sin, and then he, he just backs up and lets you have what you're going for, and that's his way of being just. Um, my uncle, Jerry, uh, he was kind of a stinker. He, <laughs> when he was a teenager, or well, maybe not even a teenager, he might have been like 12, um, he wanted to smoke like my grandpa. So my grandpa caught him up in the upstairs room one night, like smoking. And um, <laughs> so my, this isn't the best parenting thing, but um, my grandpa was like, oh, so you want to smoke, huh? <laughs> so he, he got a whole cartridge of cigarettes and just made him sit there and smoke till he was puking his eyes out. And um, in a sense, that, that can be somewhat like what God is doing. He's just kind of like backed away and um, let you give yourself fully to a sin and um, be so engulfed in it that, that the natural consequences just, they're just brewing and they overflow, just like we see in this passage. So I want to do a little application right now, um, if you would. 
you all came in with a bulletin. See this little connection card? Prayer and praise. <laughs> I'm sure none of you have ever filled this out, right? Maybe you have. I want you to flood Dave with praise. Not for him. <laughs> you can praise him if you want. Thank you, God, for Pastor Dave. But um, I want you to fill as many lines as you can think of. I'm going to give you two minutes. All the things check praise for, which is thanks, giving God thanks. Fill as many lines as you can. I'm going to give you two minutes. What you're thankful to God for. Okay? If you have a pen. There might be a, a pencil in the pew in front of you. Two minutes. Go! Time's up. Drop your pencil. Just kidding. <laughs> you can keep writing if you want. Um, but take this card, and there's a little uh, Java station in the back. When you exit, I want you to put this face down. I want, um, it can be really refreshing to, just like I said at the beginning, it can be really refreshing not only to God's heart, but God's people's heart when they hear all that you're thankful for. Um, and uh, we'll just flood Dave this week with um, thanks, the things that you're thankful for. Um, so you can continue to write if you'd like. Um, but I just wanted to share this, even though it doesn't seem like a Thanksgiving passage, it shows um, that thanks is really important, not because God's petty and he wants to judge you or um, condemn you for um, for what you didn't do necessarily, but thanks shows a lot about your heart and your attitude and your relationship to somebody. If your best friend like got a present for Christmas from you and they didn't even say thank you, or they kind of just brushed you off with kind of like a nonchalant, oh, thanks, you know? Um, it can be really hurtful. And how we thank God shows a lot about our relationship to him and with him. Um, and when we fail to believe that God's good, um, it's really hard to follow him. When we, when, every time we say thank you, we're reaffirming how good God is in all the minutia of life and all the big things of life, even in the midst of civil war or in a bunker, <laughs> whatever it is. 
Um, but uh, this shows how to truly love God with all our heart, soul, our mind, and our strength, which is our body, um, we have to start with an attitude of, of respect, reverence for him, and a thankful heart when we approach him. Um, so leave, leave this with Dave, and then um, maybe there's something that's on your heart, um, a way of saying thanks to God um, this Thanksgiving season, whether you journal, maybe, maybe you want to fill the whole list up and you, you have a whole journal page. You could, one year I just wrote like a hundred things I was thankful for. Um, not to be like, um, a dork, but you know, cause I really was thankful. Um, you could make a list. You could even just show God that you're thankful by writing him a poem or a, write him a note. Um, write them a song or make a relationship right with somebody that has gone wrong. Um, you may have something on your heart that you want to do for him. Um, and then one of the most refreshing thing is, things that I've seen is you're out like eating breakfast or something and, and a family or a grandma like bows and prays just before every meal. I know it's stupid. It sounds old school. <laughs> like, you look like a dork in public, but, but how important is it when we give thanks and respect to God before every single meal, before every little thing, you know? Um, people are actually, they wish they had that, you know? They see you praying, and they respect it, and, um, and they kind of wish they had that, that that attitude and that relationship with God. So maybe it sounds a little, a little old school, but I think you ritualize what's most important to you. And maybe this Thanksgiving season, you, you make some promise to yourself, like, I'm going to like say thank you before I go to bed every night, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray f before every meal or after every meal once I've enjoyed it and say how good you are, God, that you gave this to us when people don't have anything to eat some places. Okay, um, please pray with me. Dear Lord, um, cultivate in us a thankful heart. Help us to love you and know you more through it. And help us to be an enviable people uh, where people see us and they see our thankfulness and our joy and they just want that. They want to be a joyful person. They want to be a thankful and a grateful person. Help us, especially during this Christmas season, uh, to be grateful, most of all, for your Son, whom you sent, the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, well, thank you, Ty. And uh, let's come to God with thankful hearts now as we uh, praise Him for all He is, all that He's done for us, that He's a God who's with us in times of good, in times of bad, in the valleys of the shadow of death, wherever he may find us, he is with us. And God, we are so thankful for that to you.